Carden. Blair. Okay, buddy. Go ahead and fill in the blanks. Episode 26. That a boy. I'm trying that to be better. Boy. I'm trying to you be better. And, and now that buddy, I'm and now that I'm hitting and knocking them down in a row, I feel like, of course, I know what this one is. Buddy, I literally I think you've knocked the last three out of the park. Nice work. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Now ask me yeah. how many I've listened to. I'm, you know what? The, I'm telling you, you're missing out. We're we're putting out some quality content. I I, I really I really enjoy some of the stuff we've been doing lately. It's it's you know, and it's it's kind of funny because on on my end as a co-host, you know, yeah. you're going through the experience, but there's something missing. I I get a lot out of it when I go back and I listen. And and of course, I when I do the post production, the editing stuff, I listen. Yeah. But I've told you, you know, when I'm out working or something like that, I really enjoy just listening to the podcast. So. I, I think what it is for me is two different things. One is we've already talked about. I don't like listening to myself. But the second thing too is I don't have lots of opportunities to listen. I know that sounds crazy, but like right. Right. Sitting, I don't, you know, I don't have a long commute right now and I don't have some other things, but I think mainly it's just, I just don't want to hear myself. <laughs> That's what it really comes down to. I think, but, well, but that being said, I, I really have enjoyed, I'm just enjoying the heck out of doing them. That last episode yeah. with, with your family basically was, was awesome. I just enjoyed that a lot and really insightful. You know, I mean, your, your boys are, it was, it was really cool. Actually, it was, it was really cool to hear that from, from even from, I should say younger guys. Cause you know, but still, I think it's really cool. It was really fun. Yeah. I, well, it, it, you know, and the, and the thing is, um, just as we've talked about, you know, when we had, uh, Jenna on and then we had my brother Lance on and then we've had Kate on every time, even these are, these are people that we know very, very well. You, you yeah. learn something new about them. You see a side of them that you didn't yep. know, um, which is, is amazing, especially as a parent, as a, as a dad, you know, um, you see things and also, you know, I've always said as, bar, uh, as far as being a parent, um, each stage of the, the child's life is, is special, but getting to know your adult children is a complete, it's, it's kind of mind blowing to me. I, I just, I love it. You know, I, 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 I can't even comprehend. I honestly, in such a stage with a three and four year old, I can't even, comprehend. <laughs> I can't even like, I try to sometimes close my eyes and think about these little guys as like, <laughs> as like a 20 or 21 year old. And my brain yep. just does not compute. Just nothing. You're not. Well, it is, it is fantastic. And, you know, and it just, and you know, I, you know, selfishly, um, when you hear him say like some of the stuff that Sarah and, and Cade were saying, you know, there's definitely a sense of pride, but I'll tell you, um, so much of that is just who they are as people. You know, I mean, obviously as a parent, you try to do the right thing, but free will, you know, those, you know, our kids have so many choices to make on their own yeah. and you do the best you can as a parent, but ultimately right. the little, you know, those little chicks got to fly. So. Yeah, which is a t terrifying thought. I'm not prepared. <laughs> I think I'll leash them down for a while. We'll see. I know. It's, uh, it's tempting. Okay. Well, so I got uh, episodes. Okay. How about uh, followers on Instagram? Pondering Ooh. underscore monkeys. What do you think we're up to? Okay. So I I'm going to do this the right way. Last okay. time we talked about it, we had 91. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. And I'm going to say we've, we've sustained some growth. I'm going to say 105. Oh, you were really close. 108. Ooh. 108 okay. followers pondering nice. underscore monkeys. Um, I, I caught a little flack for, for update, for updating the IG, if you will, uh, way prior to us putting out episodes. So I'm trying to make sure those, those <laughs> correspond now. So when people go, Oh, uh, Instagram posts about a new, um, episode and then they can actually go see it. So nice. 
nice. hate. But uh, if you're out there and you're not a follower, go ahead and follow us and send us some feedback. Comment. We're getting some comments. You know, they're That'd trickling awesome. in, but we'd like to get some more. So please do. Absolutely, it it helps us. And I and I have to I have to have a PS. I mentioned last time um, that a a my pen pal. Um, oh, yeah, Agnes yeah, yeah. for yeah. Mauritius. What I didn't say is kind of a funny story. She just recently disclosed to me after she had heard our podcast that all this time we've been pen pals since I think 2014. She thought yeah. I was a woman. Yes. <laughs> she she thought I was a woman. You know, I, I guess Blair uh, is a yeah, non okay. non gender yep. specific name. You know, for sure. Yeah. And until she heard my voice on the podcast, she yep, she actually thought her pen pal was a woman. Wow. So that is uh, that's awesome. That's great. <laughs> so many things I can say. I'm choosing. I, yeah, that I know. I know. I thought you'd get a kick out of that. You know, it's it just. Oh yeah. yeah, I do get a kick out of that. Is is well, your now when you say pin pal, you mean like modern day pin pal, like you're emailing, right? Yes. Yes. Okay, because you're yep. not doing like crispy yep. writing and then putting perfume on your notes or anything. <laughs> no no a- okay. actually it was it was kind of born out of fascination she was very interested in life in the usa and i was extremely interested in life on a small island off the coast of africa it, oh yeah it, yeah mauritius is actually mauritius is quite the quite the place so it's kind of the the resort playground for a lot of europeans so it's it's oh, beautiful cool. and as a scuba diver um oh, of course i'm yeah. like I mean, it's world-class scuba diving. Right, um, right. And, and actually, I mean, just a little footnote, they just came out of countrywide lockdown. I mean, it's oh, been for tough. COVID. Yes, for COVID. Wow. Um, wow. You have a country that basically um, relies probably 90% on tourism. And, but they, they were all in it. I mean, the whole country said, yep, this is what we need to do. And it was really hard, but they, they just came out of it. Schools, um, businesses. Um, so it's, yeah. So they really, really, um, it's been hard on them. Oh, I bet. I can only imagine. We, we only got a small taste of that, a fraction of some of the lockdowns in other places. And it's, you know, it was difficult, but not nearly what was experienced in some of these other places. Yeah. Well, just the sense of relief and, you know, just to try, you know, we, you know, we talk about our normal normalcy, you know, and in, in, in Montana, we really didn't suffer a lot of discomfort no, at all. No, no. Um, and then you look at what people in other places have had to go through and are still going, you know, look at India right now, still what they're going right? through. Yeah, it's just a nightmare. Exactly. It is. So, That's exactly right. um, well, listen, we have uh, a great night tonight. We have a very special guest, very special guest. Yes, we do. Very special guest. Why don't you go ahead and do the honors garden? Okay, I definitely will. So after our first go around, um, Jenna Moore was kind enough to come back on again. And we discussed a lot, but we have so much left um, to talk. So Jenna, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me on again, you guys. I'm excited. Yeah. Welcome back, Jenna. Thanks. She decided well, to take the plunge. She didn't get enough the first time, <laughs> so she's back again. <laughs> well, you know, we we talked about this beforehand, and when you were on last time, Jenna, we we covered a lot of ground, but but yep. to, specifically, we talked about anxiety. But then the other part was couples therapy, which I found fascinating. Um, but then we got to talking, and they're they're just when you start talking about relationships, people. In other people, right? Not necessarily in a romantic or a marriage or, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend thing, but it, you just kind of, you pull back and you look at just our everyday relationships with people yep. and how important it is. And, and that alone, I think is, 
is fascinating. So that's kind of what we decided to talk about tonight. Yeah, and I think it's a great topic because, uh, I mean, we got workplace, we have family members, we have friendships. I mean, the, the different arrays of connections that we make are so incredibly important. So, so I, I'm just going to jump in. Um, Jenna, do you see people now in your practice, you're, you're a counselor, a licensed counselor. Do you see people that are seeing you because of relationship issues with friends? I mean, let's, let's step aside from spouses, boyfriend, girlfriend, uh, coworkers, friends. I mean, do you, do you see people that it, they need to seek your services for that? Um, you know, not a ton, but I would say, yeah, definitely it ends up coming up in conversation once I've established with a client, but I would say a lot of family dynamics, a lot of, um, difficulty with coworkers, dealing with collaborative communication with other people in their lives, day-to-day interactions with other people. And also another hot topic has been with COVID, right? I mean, we've been disconnected from each other for a long time. And so we're seeing a lot of increase of depression, anxiety, a lot of their disorders that may or may not, but they're showing to be more so related to this isolation. Mm, interesting. Right. People are, are kind of realizing that they need community and the isolation has really have driven that even home even more. So, I mean, I feel that way for sure. It's really made me think about the relationships that I have in my life and the ones that I need to nurture and things like that, for sure. Um, I'm yeah. interested about yeah. the, you kind of said the coworkers and the um, your family, right? Um, and not so much friends, but sometimes friends. And that instantly made me think about the old adage, you know, you, you can pick your friends. You don't necessarily pick your family, right? Right. And so, right. and so, and, the, and it's the same hold true with coworkers, right? When you apply for a job, you don't really know anybody else that works there, unless you know no. you might know a few, but you don't really know, right? You're kind of just going based upon a position. But so much about work, day in and day out, is dealing with the other people that work there. So I can just imagine how much people struggle. So, what kind of advice would you give for you know somebody who's just like, I go into work and I do not like the people I work with, but I have to maintain a professional um, kind of bearing. Like what, what's the best advice you can give to people? Wow. Yeah. And I mean, that is a whole nother topic. If we're talking about friendships and intimate relationships compared to, you know, that professional maintenance. And I think that still we have to have that type of same understanding, same respect, same of these same concepts of this healthy relationship, right? But it is a little bit mm-hmm. different. So oh, can I put that one on on bookmark for later? Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Maybe and maybe it's probably helpful to kind of establish why it's important to have healthy relationship. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Especially in the midst of COVID stuff. I think a lot of people, myself included, kind of looked around and went, Ooh, I'm, I, I think I need more healthy relationships in my life. And not that I have a bunch of unhealthy ones, but it, <laughs> you know, but Maybe really you're... you look when, when community is kind of shut down, you start going like, yeah, I need relationship. I need community. I need, um, you know, I need these relationships in my life. What I'm hearing, Cardin, is maybe you're toxic. Well, this is a cry for help. I was gonna, this is an intervention. I was going to say, <laughs> though, that to- toxic, the word toxic is used, you know, everywhere. Like, I'm in such a toxic right. relationship. But, like, how how is that defined? Why do you feel like this is toxic and what is healthy? Sure. And I think the question, what is healthy, is 
is a good question to ask. And uh, I was reading this the other day because um, I get a lot of psychology today, which has great articles on it if you're ever interested. I mean, a different array of different things with psychology, but Harvard um, did this research study where I think they started back in 1938. It's been over like 80 years they studied. I think it was more based in the U.S. I can't for sure say that, but they studied how healthy relationships or non-healthy relationships affect people with their actual, you know, beyond mental health, but physical health too. And they talked about how it affects our gut functioning and insulin levels and our hearts and our immune system. And they also discuss, which is really makes sense to me, with those healthy relationships, the studies show that these these people who had these quote unquote healthy relationships had healthier weight. They were less apt to be involved with drugs, alcohol, and of course had um, decreased ability to have depression, anxiety, things like that. Well, yeah, I mean, I I can see it. I, you know, just just in well, I <clears throat> I'm going to zero in on work. Think about think about how many hours, and I don't know. I mean, obviously there's statistics, but an average FTE is 2,080 hours a year. Okay, so just imagine if you're working a job for 10 years and you have coworkers that either you really really enjoy or you really really don't enjoy. Imagine the the cumulative effect of that. You know, 10 years of being really happy or 10 years of being very unhappy. You know, that, that's got to have, I mean, it's got to be a stress stressor if you're unhappy, you know, and that, that has to have an effect sooner or later. Oh, for sure. I think there's probably three or four people I'm seeing right now in my caseload that have had what they call relational trauma. And I think a couple of them are from workplace, workplace situations where they were in a quote unquote toxic environment where for them, maybe it wasn't the reality, but for them, they had this emotional response to it. So even going into the next job, they're hyper aware of what they say. They're nervous about who they talk to, what they say. It really affects their ability to be productive at work and keeps them from being motivated in areas that they need to be. So, so Jenna, do you think with the onset of the, the massive amounts of political correctness, and I mean, it, it, you know, there, we've always dealt with some degree of political correctness, but now there's so many, do you think that in some instances adds a lot? I mean, people are literally afraid of saying the wrong thing. Yeah, I, I think so. But I think more than anything, it's, a lot of people aren't in tune with their own emotions. They're not in tune to their own confidence. So when they have someone they're working with and they can't have this productive management of conflict, right? They they oh, either right. get it personally or you know it's it can be destructive for them, right, wrong, or indifferent. Hmm. But yeah, yeah I mean, so Claire, I think I mean what you yeah. said. What you said. I mean, there there is some truth to that, but I'm not I'm not seeing a whole lot of of that per se and what I do. Yeah. Well, I just know an example. I, I, that was kind of a broad question, but you know, um, joking around with people, mm -hmm. you know, which used to be a common, I mean, I can think about work environments I've been in before and 
you know, there was, there was an extension of friendship with coworkers and stuff. And you take liberties with that. You know, you, you joke around, you, you kind of give each other grief and stuff. And I can, I can literally see now that you probably don't do that. I, I, I just think it's probably had an effect on the work environment. I, I would think it would have to now. You know, you you got to be very careful because people are are offended, and things that used to be, I guess, accepted are no longer accepted. You know, um, and I and I would, uh, you know, maybe not to a large degree, it's going to change, but I, I, I it would have to have some effect on how people interact. Like I said, on a daily basis. Sure. What do you think, Carton? I mean, you're you're in a supervisory position where I'm sure you have to be careful what you say, and I'm, I mean, with the army, you had a lot of training in that didn't you yeah I'm, i mean when blair was kind of talking about that i you know i kind of I, I i agree with you blair but i also see the positives that have came out of it right because um you you know you you some it, it does go too far and right and we're in inclusive environments and we're at places that in reality right so exactly what we're talking about we don't want at any point anybody to feel um, when they come into the workplace where they come in and work, um, they feel displaced or ostracized, right? Oh, absolutely. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, it's um, this is what I find so fascinating, right? At the end of the day, you interact with your coworkers all the time and work together on projects. But at the, the end of the day, you're not really working on coworker relationships, right? At the end of the day, you're producing something outside of the relationships. Now, depending on how well you work together and your um, interactions and your ability to um, kind of communicate effectively really determines the um, how good that product is going to be at the end. But the, the product is not your relationship, right? So you can work somewhere for 20 years and come out of that and go, man, I have a lot of great friends there. But in reality, you were an accountant. You were crunching numbers all day long. Or, you know, you're doing what I'm doing, which is onboarding people or something like that, right? But so much of the efficiency and efficacy of an office is how well people work together. So I think a lot of what has came out of kind of that movement, even though it can seem like it's restrictive, really what it's allowed is um, inclusivity, which in any situation, I think the more ideas that you can get, um, the better um, communication happens, the more comfortable people feel, um, the better the product will eventually be, if that makes sense. And I think it's it's so interesting even thinking about this because in a manager position, I'm not really paid for necessarily my subject matter expertise as much as I'm paid to be able to work well with people, right? That's what it really comes down to is my ability to work well with others and to be able to quote unquote lead them or to supervise them in a way that makes them want to continue to show up every single day. Sure. Well, yeah. And I certainly was not, yeah, I was not inferring that the political correctness is not a good thing. I'm just saying it's a dynamic now that we have, and you have to acknowledge the degree in which it is out there now. You yeah, know, agree. Like I said, there's there's always been a certain level of, you know, acceptable behavior, but right. now, um, it, it, you know, I, I honestly, you know, to like I said, going back to the example of coworker kind of being jovial with each other, you you really don't know what is an off, you know, uh, you know, just uh, what's the word I'm thinking for? Where you you just don't go there, 
right? Yeah, uh, you right. know, just something that you just don't. So to me, that would that would put people more in a position where they don't become intimate with each other to know each other on that kind of friendship level. They keep it strictly work, which in my mind, from my experience working with people and having, you know, people under me, I don't know that I necessarily want, I want people comfortable, what you said, comfortable with each other. Yeah. But, but Jenna, don't you think there reaches a point where, you know, um, people, like I said, being afraid to say something that is taken wrong or out of context. I think that happens a lot. You say something and so much of what we we go back to is what was the intent of what was said? You know, if something comes out wrong, but there was no harmful intention there. And I just feel like, again, we're talking about workplace. It just seems like it would, uh, you know, at some point add some kind of stress to that situation, or it would kind of decouple your your employees from establishing maybe a little bit tighter bond. Oh. I mean, does that I mean does that seem right? Oh yeah, and I I think we all mess up with that too. I mean, when you first meet someone for the first time, like even a friendship, you're starting to make friends with someone. You say something like, "Oh crap, should have said that." You know what I mean? Maybe that's offensive. I do that all the time. Um, all the time. And it happens with work. The the one thing I will say, going back to okay, what's how do we define healthy relationship? I mean, you start your, your first job somewhere, you're not going to go ahead and try to crack a joke for the first day. And if you do, you know, and right, get a, right. you know, get away with it, great. And, you know, met someone that you can connect with and they trust you. But more often than not, you have to build that relationship with good rapport, good trust and good commitment. And if they can, you can establish those three things, then you kind of feel out, you communicate better, and then you can reach those personal boundaries. And boundaries is another really important part of healthy relationships too. So yeah, especially in the workplace too, right? I yeah. mean, a, a, I, th I think a lot of, I, I think in the workplace too, it's okay to not be best friends with everybody you work with. Or, oh, or sure. Anything. Absolutely. Like, you know, not even be friends. Like I, I am completely comfortable having very professional relationships with people I work with that don't extend any, anywhere beyond email traffic or the occasional chat. And, it, it, and I think it, some of that just needs to happen um, that you're just maintained strictly professional relationship. And there is, there is no jovial nature to it. Right. Cause it doesn't need right. to extend even into that. Um, well, it, Oh, go, go ahead, ahead Carden. Sorry. No, finish your no, I was just going to say it because it just, it, 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 I think even starting there and Jenna hit this exactly right is that it has to start from a place like that before it can grow any further, especially in the workplace. It might be different for friends outside that you're meeting somewhere else for the very first time, but right. definitely in the workplace, it's got to start at that very strict professional level before it can go anywhere else. Well, I, <clears throat> something Jenna said that, that, it is it echoes what I've always said about relationships with friends is trust. Um, you know, it, it is, and it's no different than in a marriage or other relationships. But that trust that you know, if you if you trust somebody, okay, and I've always viewed friendship as an extension of that trust. Um, if they say something that could be taken one of two ways, because you trust the person and you know, you know they're not intending harm, you're not going to take it the worst of the ways it could be taken. You know what I'm saying? Um, it, you give people, you know, there was a, there was a statistic, and and I've hung on to this for years, and it was doctors that are liked by their patients are ten times less likely to be sued, even with negligence. Okay. So if people like you, if there's, if there's this bond of trust, 
people are forgiving, right? And even if you make a mistake or say something that's inappropriate, you know, the intent is what is really, I think, examined. And, and I feel like that, that relationship, even with coworkers, that trust, I think is important. And, and I, I agree with you, Cardin, that you, you're not trying to nurture best friends at work, but I would hope that you would at least, you know, get to know each other well enough to, to, to extend that level of trust. I mean, does that make sense, you guys? Oh yeah, for sure. And, and I think once you finally have that trust with someone, you're more willing to be vulnerable. And when I say vulnerable, that sounds like kind of a mushy topic, but I mean, like, let's say, let's say someone says something to you and it just seems wrong and you've had a pretty established relationship with this person. It's going to be easier for you to say, Hey, you know, I know you probably didn't mean anything by that, but this is like how it came out in my head. Like, what are you, what are you thinking about that? And it's not this, you know, emotional toll. It's not this fight. It's, it's just, it's collaboration of communication because you trust them and they trust you. Yes, that's exactly what I'm talking about. And, and, and I don't see that you have to be barbecuing on the weekends to be direct and upfront, but you know, and I, and I, and I, I think some people in general, I guess this is going to go right back to you, but I've always considered myself a communicator. Okay. And I, and I, and it, it took some time, but as, as I got older and when I was a young adult, I learned for me, it's better just to be very direct with things. And in, when something comes up, deal with it at the time. And Jenna, do you think that a lot of these problems kind of are fostered because people don't want to address exactly what you were just talking about? If something is said, they don't want to confront it or, you know, even address it and they just kind of let it go and it festers. I mean, do you think that, especially in a work environment, is that a big problem? Yeah. And in fact, we talk about this a lot in therapy. Um, Why are people so resistant to sharing themselves? And there's a lot of different reasons why that is. I think trust is some, some of that, but a lot of it is, are we emotionally intelligent enough with what's going on with us, right? Someone hits us with something. Are we able to identify for ourselves how we even feel about it? And then how do we communicate that with someone? So that's one part. Um, And then self-preservation. When we feel like we are not in a good place with someone, a lot of us for self-preservation reasons will either shut down, we'll blame the other person, or we'll have what's called rage. We'll we'll verbally push them away because we can't handle the emotion. So Honestly, I think a lot of reasons why people are so apprehensive to having these conversations that are open and kind of forward are self-preservation and lack of emotional intelligence. Yeah, that's really interesting. I can totally, totally see that too, where people are so, I wouldn't even say caught off guard or in such a place where they're, um, you know, feel like they don't have the ability to be vulnerable with somebody else because of, well, let's even bring up um, power dynamics. Um, If we're talking about um, the workplace, that some power dynamics stifle that and and make people feel that way. I think a lot of times, uh, do you get a lot of people that really struggle with supervisors or bosses or anybody that's in kind of a power relationship? Uh, Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, as far as with therapy and kind of working with people on these, you know, conflicts, there's, and I, I based a lot of my work off of John and Julie Gottman's work just because I like that research. Um, not that I'm like 100% blood in, but they talk a lot about the, you know, the four horsemen, which if, if you're familiar with those, amazing. If you're not, which a lot of people aren't, it's criticism, 
contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. Stonewalling is when you just kind of shut down, right? Like, let's see mm -hmm. someone in power is talking to you and you just, you're emotionally overfilled. You're going to stonewall. You're going to kind of shut down because you're physiologically just not in a place where you can respond. Criticism, you know, why aren't you doing this? Like, do you even know what you're doing? Like, how did you mess up on that? Those types of things would be more critical. Defensiveness, maybe you come to your boss per se or a friend and you say, hey, you know, I don't really understand why this is happening. I don't feel comfortable about this. And the person says, well, you should have done this or that. They don't take ownership over it. So defensiveness is a big one. You'll see that a lot in intimate relationships. You'll see that a ton in family relationships. No one wants to take responsibility for their actions. And then contentment is, is you know, almost to the point of emotional um, abuse, verbal abuse, like, how dare you, you lunatic, like, you're such an alcoholic, those types of things that are very directive. So, so Jenna, in that, in the instance of like job site bullying, okay, um, what is your advice for people that are dealing with either a, a coworker that is, and I don't even really want to define bullying. I think we all kind of, you know, understand an instant that would probably be bullying, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but how do you, how, what, what do you recommend a person does if they either have a coworker bullying or like what Cardin was just talking about, supervisory bullying? I mean, what, I mean, what do you tell people? What, what should they do? Yeah, it depends on the level. I mean, if it's, if it's something that just doesn't quite feel right, you know, maybe you've given it a free pass a few times. I think it's, it's okay, depending on the situation, to be a little bit forward. And the rule of thumb I usually give people is respect them, respect yourself, and speak in kindness. Mm -hmm. right? So let's say uh, let's say your boss is, comes to you and says, you keep messing up on this. How dare you? And this is kind of a recurring uh, circumstance where they make you feel kind of crappy about what you're doing. Right. Instead of being like, yeah, I messed up, I'm not going to do it, you know, let me just deal with it, or just taking it, at some point it might be okay to say, hey, I recognize that this is this is bothersome, and I, I, I do know that I'm messing up, and that could be frustrating for you, okay, respecting them, respect yourself, but I recognize that I'm new in this job, and I maybe need some more, more help, what are your thoughts? Mm -hmm. So... I think it's okay to, to be a little bit direct in those circumstances. Mm -hmm. And if you and if you get in trouble for that kind collaborative communication, then you got another issue. Right. Yeah, cuz at that point you're kind of asking people to define the problem and making sure it's not just a personal attack is what I'm kind of hearing if that sounds right. So what is what is the real problem? The problem's the the production or the the product that's coming out or the the work that's being done. Whereas I think it's so easy to take criticism and this is just human nature as a personal attack. So this kind of method seems like it kind of takes that away from a personal attack and says like hey, how do I get better? specifically with the work that I'm doing as opposed to, you know, separating it from being a, a, a personal attack on, uh, you know, which mm -hmm. people take critiques that way. 
yeah, I mean, I think you have to respect yourself self in some circumstances, not in a way that gets you in trouble or is a power struggle, but you know, Hey, I see your view. This is my view. What do we do together about this? Not you're wrong. I'm right or vice versa. And those power struggles will get you in trouble. And that's, those happen a lot in friendships and co-working relationships and family. So, so kind of segueing into, I mean, we've been talking a lot about workplace. Um, let's, let's talk a little bit about friendships because that's a tough one. Friend, friendships to me is starting to border family, you know, because in a lot of cases, these friendships are decades old. And, you know, you, you always see, you know, he's like my brother, she's like my sister kind of a thing. So um, do you recommend the same? I mean, uh, we're, we're kind of talking about this just more of a direct approach, just approach the problem as it is directly, even though there's a good chance that it's going to cause some, I mean, this sounds like a Dear Abby thing, Carton. It's like, Dear Abby, my my friend <laughs> did not come to my yeah. five-year-old's yeah. birthday and I went yeah. to her five-year-old's birthday and what's her problem? You know, so, so Jenna, again, out of the workplace environment, now we're talking socially. Um, what do you, I mean, what do you recommend that people do other than, other than harass them on Facebook? (laughs) Yeah. Which is a viable solution. Right. (laughs) I mean, it depends on the depth of, of the friendship. I mean, I, I think about one of your really good friends, Blair. I mean, what, what would you do? I want to hear that first and then I'll give you my response. Well, okay, so I'm going to go back to what we said originally, um, the level of trust. You Most times, okay, I am a non-conflictual person. I'm going to let it go most times, especially in a social environment where it's not something I have to put up with all the time, right? Mm -hmm. Because I value friendships and I value relationships very much. And I'm kind of a thick skin approach, right? Um, If it's, if it's, if it's re- you know if it's something that happens quite a bit or if i really feel the intent i guess i'm a big one on intent i really have to feel like there was kind of harmful intent before i'm going to really get vocal about it so I, I guess i'm kind of a water off a duck's back kind of person jenna okay well what i was going to say first is self regulation which is if there's something going on with a friendship evaluate yourself and where you're at. If you're heated up about something, take a deep breath, take a step back Mm -hmm. uh, because you're not going to have really great cognitive conversations (laughs) at that point. Right. You're going to, it becomes personal very quickly. And you see that a lot in friendships. You see that a lot with, you know, and you see it a lot with actually relationships over the internet because there's not that ability to read. So what I would first say is physiologically, decrease that that hormone that cortisol hormone that makes you want to not be cognizant of what's really going on so deep breathing uh exercise stretching not that you can always do that but be more aware of your body if you've calmed down and it's still frustrating you that's when you can have a good conversation with someone if you want to i mean it's not necessary but i think it's helpful to have some communication where you say hey you know Card and I talk about this all the time. The story in my head is that yeah, you're yeah. upset with me. Like, is that the real story? I think Brene yeah, Brown said right. that when she talked about right. vulnerability. Yeah, we saw it on some Netflix. Yeah, Netflix <laughs> special or something like that. But it, it does. It does ring true. I think it definitely has a lot of truth into it. Because when you phrase it like that, you really, 
you make it about perceptions. Like the, and like right, you said, right. it's, like, it's about intent, right? So this is right. what I perceived your intent was, or this is how I perceived this. And so it's directly coming from me instead of saying, you did this and how could you do that? And things right. like that, it's not accusational. Different. I like that. Exactly. And, it, and it gives yeah. them an opportunity to correct you. You know, right. like, hey, that's not what I meant. And and that's, I feel like that, that little bit of communication right there would prevent so many, you know, disagreements and hard feelings if people would just start exactly like what you just described. Right. Well, how many, how many relationships are destroyed by assumptions? So mm-hmm. many. Oh, that yeah, person hasn't yeah. talked to me in a while. They must hate me. And then no one's talking yeah. to each other and yep. two years go by. Right. It, right so, right. I think it's okay if, if you can be, if you're confident enough, if you can have that emotional bandwidth to just kind of, you know, be kindly forward, not in a, not in a bad way, but just a, a loving way. So, so Jenna, if you have an experience with a friend, and, and this is, again, I, a lot of the stuff that I'm asking is I, I, I give my own kids advice on stuff, okay? And, I, and I'm thinking about how I've advised them to handle situations, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of echo that with you. Sure. If, if you have a situation, and we're just going to use the friend, and you, know, you, you give them an opportunity to maybe explain something or something, or, or something is said, something is done, there's hard feelings, and, and you really try to explain, you, you try to establish that no harm was intended, right? Um, and there's just kind of that, standoffish response, you know, my response has been, well, maybe they're just not as good a friend as you thought they were. I mean, it, because it goes back to that trust thing to me. And I, I just really, absolutely, that is such a core belief of mine with, with quote unquote, true friendships is that especially if, if something has happened and something's been said and you're trying to clear the air and it's not good enough for them. I mean, do, do you think Jenna, at a certain point you have to just kind of, you just got to walk? That's a good question. So I was just telling someone today, I mean, you're not responsible for the emotions of other people. And I think a yeah, lot of us okay. get that wrong and we feel like we, mm-hmm. we're doing something wrong. This person's upset. So absolutely. Right. If you're if you're putting your best foot forward, if you have been kind, if you're trying to clear the air and it's not being received well, well, there's a couple things that could be happening, but for the respect of yourself, it's okay for you to distance yourself a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So are there, are there other, okay. So I would consider that like the, the beginnings of understanding that maybe this is an unhealthy relationship. So what are some other indicators that you frequently see that go, okay, so this is a bit of a red flag. This is probably something that you need to be aware of that you, this is possibly an unhealthy relationship for you. Great question. Uh, One thing that comes to mind is codependence. This is something that we talk about with couples quite a bit, but it happens a lot in friendships as well. And I guess the, you know, the bad example, I always say I have a bad example for you, but another bad example is let's say you become really close with someone, close with a friend and you're coming to them with, with everything, right? They're your person. They're, you're always spending all your time with them you know, you're trying to please, maybe you're trying to please them all the time. You don't want to do anything on your own. That can be really unhealthy because you start to identify yourself emotionally through that other person. And you can see that quite a bit in relationships. So watch out for codependency. Um, trying to think of some others. Yeah, I think the, the ability to have conflict is really important. I mean, the 
the mm-hmm. depth of the relationship that you have with someone can kind of quantify the amount of conflict that you're going to have. You know, the more time you spend with someone, the more you might disagree, maybe not like fight, but maybe disagree. And if you can disagree in that, in that good manner, like that's, that's a great thing. But a lot of friendships, if they're not willing to go there with you and they're so resistant to conflict that it becomes an issue, probably not a healthy situation either. Another one, um, maybe number three, is what's the positive versus negative ratio of interactions? I mean, is when you're when you're hanging out, is it is it fun? Is it, there's is there laughter? Are you supportive with each other, or is it discounting? Is it um, you know is it criticism? Is it trying to bring you down? And the ratio that we mm-hmm. use it with relationships is if you have a one negative interaction to four positive interactions, you know you're on the right track. But if you're having a higher ratio of negative interactions with someone compared to positive, that's a good sign that it might not be healthy either. Right. And then maybe number four for unhealthy is lack of boundaries. And that kind of goes with that codependence a little bit, but it might, might even be, uh, let's, another bad example. Uh, I've got kids I, I can't come over later tonight. I got a bedtime around between seven and eight o'clock. I'm so sorry. And the person's pissed off at you. Mm, right? They, yeah. they don't respect your boundaries, um, yeah. even though you say it in a loving manner. Or, hey, it's really important for me that I go spend time with these other people. I hope you can understand they're not okay with that. There's a million examples for boundaries. But if, if someone's not respecting those uh good good opportunity to to run yeah okay so i i find this really interesting because we're, we're talking about friends and, and running and things like that right where at, at some point with friends if you're feeling that way you kind of feel empowered to be like okay i can this is a relationship i can kind of give it out of and things like this what if you're seeing these unhealthy relationships in family what is your what is your recommendation for for things like that because you know much harder to distance yourself or to kind of isolate that relationship when it becomes uh, familial. Well, yeah. And also include in-laws. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, no, because I, I can just say from experience that, and, and plus I, again, I can't give you the exact article, but I know in-laws relationship is a big reason that it's a big catalyst for problems in marriages and other relationships is, you know, in-law relationships. So, so touch on that, Jenna, that time bomb. That is such a, that is such an awesome question because you're right. You can't necessarily run. I think there is, I guess it'd be, I was super surprised getting into practice how many people have completely cut themselves off from their family. I mean, just alarmingly so. Like something bad happens in the family and they're like, nope, I haven't talked to my brother in, you know, 20 years or no, I don't talk to my parents anymore. And that's, I'm just kind of surprised how frequently I hear those stories. But if you do decide that you want to try to maintain some sort of relationship with family and you're seeing these red flags, that's hard. I think one of the big things is, and this is not coming from a religious perspective by any means but forgiveness is there any forgiveness in in the relationships mm-hmm. well jenna do you think that um okay so i'm going to share my own philosophy and you you tell me what you think sure 
being family with somebody doesn't mean that, you know, they're great people. I mean, we've all got family members that are probably not great people. To me, being family means maybe you give them the benefit of the doubt more often or you give them more opportunities. You know, you don't, it's not a one strike and you're out kind of a thing, you know, um, cause I always feel like, you know, being family is, it is special. And I, and I really, family is a, is a big thing to me. So even though I realize, Hey, just because a guy's your, your sister or brother doesn't mean they're good people, you know, but being that they're family, you, you try to give them a little extra leash, so to speak. You know, I mean, do you, do you think that's good or do you not agree? Yeah, man, I think that'd be a great question to ask cross-culturally too. You know, there's a lot of cultures out there where, you know, family is first no matter what. Uh, if the respect yeah. isn't in the family, then you're not doing it right. And right. that is a big mm -hmm. deal, I think, in America. And I, this is very personal opinion, but we feel like maybe we're, you know, in a place where we can decide <laughs> pretty much everything. And if things aren't working yeah. in the family, yeah, screw them, which yeah. is a whole nother topic. But I think you're right, Blair, depending on what type of uh, heart you have, what kind of culture you have, what type of family you have, I think that there is these, these moments where you just have to say, you know, they are who they are, but I love them no matter what, because they're, they're part of this family. Yep. I'm part of the family. Yeah. And that's really hard to even, um, and you had talked boundaries too. So how, how do you, how do you go about setting healthy boundaries with your family? I think that's so interesting to think about too, when, um, sometimes, you know, the, the common thought is there should be no boundaries with family. You know, we're family, there's no boundaries here, mm -hmm. but I don't necessarily think that's the case for healthy relationships. So is that something that you d discuss a lot, like healthy boundaries within family? Oh, for sure. And I think especially if you notice that their actions or their lack of boundaries impacts your emotional mental health. Let's say, I'm trying to think of an example that's HIPAA compliant. Um, Let's say my wife is driving me absolutely crazy, okay? So I'm just, and I'm just grabbing this from, from out of thin air. How do you, how, no, I'm joking. Yes. I'm joking. Um, that was a really good joke, Cardin. Um, that was great, Cardin. That was great. You ought to go on the road. Yeah, and again, yeah. got anything else up your sleeve? Um, no, no, that, was that was it. That was Roasted. It. Roasted. You, you know, you, well, yeah, go ahead, Bear. Well, I was just going to say that the, the family thing, I mean, I, I've definitely, yeah, I, yeah, we could spend a, I, I need a therapy session just on that topic, but the in-law, I'm going to have to go back to the in-law thing because that is a, that is an interesting dynamic where you, where you have the family tie that Cardin's talking about, and then you put in somebody else, right? Whether it's a daughter-in-law or a son-in-law. So the darling daughter marries a guy. Or, or the golden the golden boy son marries a woman, mm. and I've seen it firsthand that there is kind of this, and I don't know that it's militia, or <laughs> militia. I don't know <laughs> that it's malicious. That I think they're so used to filling that role in that person's mm -hmm. life mm -hmm. that they don't understand that maybe you know their son has a wife now and she wants to assume a lot of that caregiving with her son. You know, and, and then I think too probably Jenna is some, some adult children need to kind of cut the tie. I always say cut the cord. 
okay, and it's it's kind of a you know stereotypical thing to say, but it, it's like okay, you're married now, cut the cord, mm-hmm. okay. And, but, but do you see what I'm saying with the in-law? Cause that, I think that's a particularly precarious position to get in because you've got somebody new coming in, a new dynamic, a new person coming into your family. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. That is mm-hmm. actually a really interesting topic because I have some people that maybe someone in the relationship says to their spouse, Hey, it's either, are you choosing me or are you choosing your family here? Mm-hmm. Like oh, who, yeah, who right. are you backing? And that becomes a, actually yeah. a pretty big topic in my couples therapy sessions is you know i feel like my my husband wants me to be his mom or when it comes when they come into town it's like all about you know what what they want and i'm kind of left in the dust or whatever um however on the flip side of the coin i also tell the couple and this may be right wrong or different i don't really care but i say you know as when you commit yourself to this person Unfortunately, you're also committing yourself to their family. Right. So it's kind of a package. And if if you don't talk about that before you get married, I mean that's a that's Ooh. a pretty big thing to discuss. Huge. Huge. Yeah, huge. Definitely. And I think that's such a that's a, such an unhealthy thing to say to somebody is it's either me or it's this or make the oh, choice. Oh, what a terrible this. position to put well, somebody in. Yeah, you know? and, and it's and it's I think it's totally needs to be addressed. The fact that these are two completely separate relationships, right? This isn't uh, an intimate husband and wife relationship. This is something completely different that fills a different part of my life. You know, um, there's, and there's no way, I don't think that even you would kind of mention this, Jenna, that, that anybody, even a spouse can be everything, you know, there still needs to be a healthy relationship with a father or a mother or, or, you know, whoever filled those type of roles, those still need to be there in order for the whole functioning of a person to be healthy. Do you, do you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, that kind of goes back to a little bit of that codependence is there are some, there are some couples where, it's it's about me and you and and you know why are you spending so much time with friends like you know where where are you uh it becomes an issue and it's really just hurtful to to have to feel like you have to choose between your partner or your family and that's where it's it's kind of that twofold um am i respecting my unit my marriage am i respecting my family at the same time mm-hmm. can that be done mm-hmm. and if not let's have some good conversation about that hey i love you care about you i'm married to you and i'm committed to you however this is my family like we've mm-hmm. got to figure something out so we can collaborate together mm-hmm. jenna have have you had um you know i guess broad question but talking about family you know i've i've personally seen a number of instances where there's a catalyst in a family that just completely breaks the family apart. And, and the one that I've seen most often is a death mm-hmm. and there is a will. There is, there's some, like I said, a big catalyst that happens mm-hmm. and it's like you get to see this relationship that seemed at face value strong, just crumble. You know, um, they, the, 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 the family turns on each other. And I, I was talking to a, a financial advisor one time and he said, you can't believe how often this happens, you know? And, and, and so is that a case where the family just wasn't that strong to begin with? Those relationships were not, you know, 
as strong as the the perception perception was, or do you think those people just they they put their own self fulfillment or whatever over the value of their family? Gosh, yeah, what a great question. And I think it, honestly, this is a bad answer. I think it depends on the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, <laughs> coming from a rural community with a lot of farms and ranches, I mean, you know this too, Blair. It's it's hard to be able to to have these conversations about what do we do with this or that? And, right, or if there's a right. death in the family, it's like, we haven't talked about this before. And now this is hitting us. Not only is it usually an emotional toll on us, we're in shock, but now we're dealing with, with these financial issues and how do we separate the two? And for a family, when there's already emotions, big emotions in a family, that's hard to do. Oof, yeah. Mm, yeah. Well, it just, it, it seems like, and I'm, I'm sure there's statistics, but it seems like it wrecks a lot of families and, and it, it causes such hurt that it just, you know, and like what you said earlier about people will just write off family members. Something happens and they go, well, you know what? I'm done. Mm-hmm. And like I said, when I talked to that financial guy, he's like, this happens a lot. And you'd, you'd wow. think, oh, really? And he's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Like there's, there's actually provisions in place for that very thing when they're, when they're doing wills and they're doing, um, uh, family, uh, trusts and things like that. And that's why they're so, you know, they just advocate, get wills done, get, um, estate planning done because that's the best way to avoid these catastrophic family breakdowns, Hmm. you know? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. What a tough topic. Yeah. Jenna, you had you had mentioned something I kind of want to go back to about um, assumptions and how kind of unhealthy they can be in dynamics. But it made me think also about um, expectations. Do you do you see that um, a lot uh, in in all different facets of relationships that people are struggling in, where unrealistic or unfulfilled expectations become a, a, a large ordeal? Oh yeah, well for sure, yeah, absolutely. But I also think a large part of that is they're not communicating. Mm-hmm. Like if, if someone is like, I'm in a relationship, I don't feel fulfilled. I had to figure something else out. My first question to them is, well, what have you, have you talked to your partner about this? Well, no, but I can just, you know, it's not working the way I thought it would go. Mm. Well, you know, we got to step back why are you know what's preventing you from talking to someone about this talking to your own partner about this or your friend you know if i expect my friend to to you know maybe respond to a death in my family a certain way and they don't you know and it, it breaks my heart do i just say oh this is not a good friendship or do i talk to them about it first before i just kind of you know cut that out Right. Yeah. That, yeah. That's such a, that's so interesting, especially I feel like a lot of that is societal and maybe I'm not, you know, maybe I'm way off base, but I feel so much of that is societal about, especially in like um, husband and wife relationships. Well, this is, these are my expectations of what a wife should be. And, and then you think, okay, where's, where's that actually coming from? And mm-hmm. I know probably a lot of that comes from, you know, their, their family and what they saw. But I think a lot of it is too, is on 
society of this is what the expectation of, of a healthy relationship should be, you know, and some of those are so unreal that no spouse oh, can geez. ever fulfill what it is <laughs> um, or no friend can ever fulfill what, oh, what yeah. is the expectation. You know what I mean? Um, so going into it with that just makes it, it just sets up these relationships for failure completely. Well, yeah, I, I've got a, I've got a friend and, uh, hopefully he doesn't hear this cause he'll know exa- exactly who I'm talking about, but he, his whole mentality about, um, a wife, okay. is shaped off his parents. Well, his parents sound like a 1940s, you know, man wears the pants, the wife, you know, does the cooking and cleaning and, and he, he kind of has that mentality and I'm like, buddy, that this is a different world. You know, you, you, that is a really antiquated way of looking at things. Um, and you know, when he couldn't find anybody suitable, right. He would blame it on, Oh, you know, women today don't want commitment or they don't want, no, they don't want to, they want to be respected. You know, they don't want to be looked down upon, but, but it's amazing. And I'd like to say he's the only guy I've met that kind of has that perception, but it's not at all. And, and Jenna, I guess go, I'm going to go to directly to you. Do you think that is a mentality that is truly generational? It's passed along? Or do you think people start making excuses of why they can't find the right person for them? You know, I mean, is, is that kind of this denial talking? Yeah, that's so cool. I love hearing these conversations. I, yes, I think part of it can be generational, cultural. Um, I think some of it could be due to their history, the way they are raised. I think some of it is societal. I mean, maybe someone is on social media and they have these, you know, unrealistic ideas of what a relationship looks like, even though it's untrue. Um, I think there's a million things that can make us feel, especially, and I keep, you know, bashing the U.S., I don't mean to, but make us feel like we're not getting what we want and this person needs to meet that. So I really do encourage couples, and this is not always realistic, but I do encourage couples before you get married, even with friendships, before you like really truly commit, do you kind of have the same expectations on where are those those boundaries at? And we'll have, I'll do premarital counseling, and we'll have some of these questions like, what are your expectations uh, as far as household chores go? What are your expectations as far as Who's going to take the kids to school? I mean, I know that's right, pretty tedious, right. but these are the these are the things. Maybe the quote unquote small mm. things that can really internally sure. tear people apart. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, so one one question I wanted to ask this earlier, but uh, now is probably the best time. Is um, tell me about the difference of you know, and I, I don't want to stereotype here, but it seems to be men and women. Uh, they handle situations differently. And I'll give you an example. Going back to the, you know, so-and-so didn't come to my five-year-old's birthday. You know, typically that is not the kind of thing a guy is going to get upset about. Because in truth, most guys don't want to go to a five-year-old's birthday. Okay. So so it seems to me, Jenna, and, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to me that men are generally more apt to let things like that on a social nature slide but when it come to something, um, you know, like he, he took my fishing pole and he broke it. I mean, something like that is really substantial. But when it's more emotionally related, whereas the, you know, women in general seem to take things like that more personal. 
I mean, is that an accurate or is there, is that a caveman's view? Hmm. That's an interesting concept. I think, see, I'm kind of a, I'm a total nerd about this emotional intelligence and I, I probably sound annoying when I keep bringing it up, but uh, despite what gender you are, I think if you're in tune with your emotions a little bit more and you can recognize these feelings a little bit more, you're going to be more perceptive in in, in dealing with them. And I think women, generally speaking, more biologically, you know, put that way to to be more mindful of those certain emotions, especially even like um, when it comes to kids, maternal, that maternal sense. Where maybe, yeah, if if your kid is disappointed, the the maternal nature is probably a little bit more in tune with that personally, emotionally, than maybe the father, Sure, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that does make sense. Oh, it does. Uh, well, guys, we have... We have blown through an hour. That that was fascinating. Jenna, obviously, you got to come back because yeah, that. Sure. I mean, it's like wow. Um, I'm just I, I I had to keep myself from asking more questions because I'm like, okay, this is going to drag on for three hours. But um, <laughs> yeah. so yeah. no, but I mean, it's just I, I, you know, again, like we talked about at the at the start of the podcast, the the whole dynamic of relationships and and one thing I've you know with coaching a lot of of kids and I've talked to them about. I personally feel the the ability to communicate with mm-hmm. people is so important. It, it transcends any career, any situation, really. The ability to openly communicate with people is so important. You know, yeah, I've in, in every in every field that I've been in, and you know, in every job or any position that I've been in, that that has been such a key. In fact, even in the you know the officer world and the army world, um, a lot. Uh, of the training goes back to efficient and effective communication. Right. And we right. could do a, we could do a whole podcast on effective communication. Yeah. I mean, you could fill yeah. up three yeah, hours sure. just on that. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. That would be um, fascinating. We could talk forever about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> huh. Talking on and on. Well, yeah, so, um, I mean, if you look in the workplace, a lot of time and money is spent on trying to create good leaders. You know, I mean, how many times in the corporate world, I mean, literally how many meetings a year do they do they have in the corporate world that's based on being a good leader? And, oh, yeah. and you know, good leader could mean a lot of things. But I, I think nowadays, especially with the labor force um, being in such high demand, you don't want turnover. Hello? You don't want people leaving, you know, because a good employee is a very valuable asset yeah. to have. Um and I, and I think, you know, that ties in with what we were talking about earlier, the political correctness. You don't want to offend people. You don't want to, and like what you said, Cardin, you don't want to give people a reason to feel uncomfortable at work because you don't want to lose them. You oh, know? yeah, 100%. Yep. And, and, and jobs have become so niche, too, that training people and, and finding good people is just harder and harder, it seems like, for yeah. sure. Absolutely. Well, uh, okay. So, so Cardin, I have no idea, uh, I assume... You have a special uh, monkey moment question for what? lovely, lovely Jenna. Well, this is what I can't remember. Um, Jenna, <laughs> did did you make the monkey noise last? Yeah, time? I did. It was really, really Absolutely. awful. Absolutely, it was great. No, it was really good. I it was good. Super it was good. good. But uh, you know who hasn't done the the intro in a long, <gasps> long time? Has Blair you. done the ever done the monkey Blair. moment voice? Blair, I, I think I oh yeah, maybe you have. Voice. I've heard one from you. 
Yeah. I think he's I, only I, done it once, but it's been so long. Jenna, Jenna, I got a question. Do you listen to the podcast? Oh my gosh. Yes, absolutely. I, I, I do have to put a plug in really quick. I, I really love, of course I love chases and I'm just chases and Annie's. I mean, I just really appreciate the, the comments about mental health, mm-hmm. happy, how you guys mm-hmm. have been so open and letting people explore that right. using this platform. It's just been really cool. And of course, you know, I'm, I'm biased cause I know you guys probably <laughs> a little bit more than maybe other listeners, but I just really enjoy them all. And each one is, is different and unique and yeah, been listening. Well, thank you for that. Uh, speaking about Annie's, um, she, she, I talked to her and, and hers was, you know, she, we kind of joke about Annie's army. She, she did some promotion of that, but she, she did tell me that people reached out to her after listening to that podcast. It resonated with people and well, you know, it's that, it's that kind of birds of a feather thing. You know, you, you, you hear about a situation somebody's got through and it resonates about maybe a situation you've been through or are going through. Right. Um, and, and she said she's had, um, a couple of different people reach out to her about that. And I think, you know, that's, that's, that's why we do this really. I mean, that's a big part of it. If we can, if we can help people, if we can share information that's beneficial, that is, that's the whole point. Yeah, for sure. And, and even we, we spoke on this last podcast too, with your sons is that you, you come, you know, through this medium, you find so much humanity of just even people's experiences that seem maybe isolated or are independent to, but it's, it's not so many people have been so through so much, you know, um, that there's so much of that with everybody that we can empathize with. It's, it's just, it's been really cool. It's been a really cool journey up to this point. It really, it's been awesome. Well, we get great guests like Jenna to come on and and talk about this awesome stuff. So, okay. So, so am I hearing, uh, Blair, 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 (laughs) Where? Okay, I thought it was a guest thing, but I'll do it. Okay, ready? Good. <clears throat> Clear my throat. <laughs> See, that was really good. That was solid. That, that was a happy uh, chimpanzee. That's that that excellent. That's right. It's my rendition of a happy chimpanzee. I just, I okay. hope the smile went through it. It did. I, I, I felt it. Um, so, uh, so here's what I got. Okay. And I want, actually, I want this question for both of you guys. Um, oh, Jenna, I know that you're super passionate about what you do and you, you absolutely love it. You tell me that all the time, but if you were to do one other thing, uh, have a different profession and you could just pick it and jump right into it, what would you be doing? That is so good. Um, I wish I don't feel like I have the the greatest ability to do this, but I would love to be able to be one of those people that just travels and learns how to cook different things. Uh, yep. Maybe I would never have a show, but I like watching people cook and I love learning about food. So I'd be like one of those, you know, maybe a travel food blog blogger. I don't know what what they're called, but. To and, learn uh, and, and what cook. Would your, <laughs> what would your blog be called? Uh, I'm not a good blogger, but Jenna's travel and food Jenna's, blog. Okay, yeah, I thought it would be something like Jenna's flashier, juicy, something with. Okay, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I that seems a little racy to me, Carton, but that's okay, whatever. <laughs> it's a different kind of blog. We're about, right? All right, Blair. I know you don't really. Yeah. Have what your profession actually is i'll be honest so if you weren't doing whatever (sighs) you do which nobody really knows anyways no no what would you be doing 
Oh, and, and I and I have to do one thing. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah. So herein lies the problem. Yeah. Oh, gosh. well, you have to pick a profession. Yeah. This is my. This is what I do. You know. Okay. This is this is actually a a, a genuinely hard question because I'm trying to answer it truthfully. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just say. I, I, okay. I'm going to kind of skirt it. Out of all the stuff mm-hmm. I've done. Yes. And I do a lot of stuff simultaneously, but out of all the stuff that I've done, the the one thing that probably identifies with me as probably being my true calling is inventing, is is mm. designing products. And I still do it. Matter of fact, I'm I'm working on a, a prototype for a shoulder unit right now with the company out of Dallas, but I don't do it full time. So it, you know, in so if you were to say you have to give up ranching, what would you do? I would go into full time product development. Cool. You know? That's very cool. And that okay. totally suits you because it is a hundred percent creative and it's always, and it's really something different all the time because you're always coming it up is. with different ways to problem solve and stuff. Well, like that. That, that's exactly what it is. And I, I love this quote I heard from a, it was a, a woman who was an inventor and she says, you want to be an inventor? Think of three things that suck in life and find a solution. And that's yeah. really what inventing is. It's problem, it's problem solving or or finding solutions to problems. And they mm-hmm. they don't have to be complicated. You know, it can be a very simple thing. And you know, how many times, you know, Jenna and Carden, do you see an idea that comes out and you're a amazed nobody's thought of it before? Yeah. And B, the word, this is so simple. You yeah. know, why why hasn't somebody thought of this so yeah. simple? Like that, you know? the, like that copper pan that has the different sections. So brownies come out pre-cut. Man. What? Genius. It is genius. I think about that a lot with games, like board games, like a oh, simple yeah, games. Yeah, like, yeah. oh, you probably sold like millions and millions of this game, like these games. Why couldn't I have done that? Like that. Yeah. 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 I agree. I completely agree with that. Cool. No, no. Well, um, well, Jenna, again, thank you so much for, for coming on. And I hope, I hope you'll entertain another invitation at some point. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I really had fun. It was yeah, a lot of fun. It, Thank it you. It was very, very informative. Um, and Carden, you're talking about guests, buddy. You are. I, I gotta. I gotta. I gotta throw Carden a bone here because, you know, as this whole thing's kind of evolved, um, I'm. I'm the. I'm the geek behind the computer doing the technical. You know, I do the post production stuff and all that good stuff. Carden has taken the role of, of uh, talent director. Uh, and you're not yeah, out of the park, but you're, I mean, every time I, I talk to you, 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 you're lining up somebody new, you got some great stuff coming. Yeah, we really do. So just to, to hit on a little bit, I, I think, and I appreciate that. Thanks Blair. I think I've Absolutely. just gotten lucky more than anything, but so coming up we have, and it's, it'll be on the schedule. Eventually we have a, a, a um, PhD in biology that studies uh, honeybees and bee learning that's actually from Australia. So she, she's going to come on eventually. And then we also have um, a storm chaser. that's a part of the Texas storm chaser group um, that's been, you know, chasing tornadic storms for a long time and also um, photographs them. So that'll be fascinating. And then next week, actually, we have an, another sleep specialist that is different than Dr. Zadra in the fact that this is going to be more about sleep tracking technology. And, oh, yeah you know, and, and people that insomnia type issues and, and also the, that balance between healthy sleep and a healthy lifestyle. So that's going to be super fast. That's crazy. Yeah. I can't, I can't wait for that. 
I think I told you that I, I've I've been reduced to taping my mouth shut at night, in the in the in the hopes that it cuts down on some snoring, so that my the only way that you stop talking. Right? <laughs> hey, hey, Jenna, Jenna, Jenna. I hope you talk to him. That that was unhealthy. That was an unhealthy. I don't, I don't trust you enough. I'm not sure where that came from. I appreciate okay. you bring that. You Just brought really that think I talk too much. I'm sorry that you <laughs> took it that way, but in no. my head, you talk too. <laughs> no, but I, 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 you know, in all sincerity, I do. I, I, there's this method of of snore. Um, I won't say prevention, but it's an attempt, and you tape your mouth shut, and it, it does work. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, um, and I'm doing that for my wife. It, it, it's either that or we 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 move into separate bedrooms, and I'm like, yeah, I'll I'll do the tape. I'll do the tape. So I, I'm actually really excited to talk to our sleep specialist. Yeah, I'm I'm super thrilled. It'll be it'll be awesome. That'll be next week. I'll be here before you know it. Okay. All right. Well, buddy, uh, episode twenty six in the books. And We've done uh, it. yep, we have done it. So uh, from my end, Carton, I'll say good night. And good night to you. <laughs> good night. Good night, Jenna. Good night, guys. Good night, Jenna. <laughs>